us um, just together for a few minutes. Um, if you've got it open, that'd be brilliant. It's Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. That'll probably be on the screen behind me as well. Um, so we just pray as we look at God's word together. Father God, we just thank you that we can be together. Thank you, Lord, for some of what we shared this morning, Father. And uh, it's just so, so lovely to hear the ways that you, you bless people, Father. It may be in extreme ways. It may be just subtly over the years. It may all be small things that encourage us during the week. And, and Lord, as we finish our series this morning, remind us, Lord, that you call us um, to be you, Lord, to people, to love people the way you loved us. So be with us now as we look at these verses together. In Jesus' name, amen. And this week, uh, I had a, a unique experience. Well, no, not unique. Uh, a first for us. Jack is now 13, as many of you know. Um, he's not yet grunting at us, um, and I don't think he ever will. I think we're going to be amazing parents of teenagers, so we won't have any trouble whatsoever. You heard it here first. I think Tim David's recorded that for posterity. Um, so this week we went to Leven- the Leventhorpe Options Open Evening, and if you think that sounds dull, you are correct. Um, it was a very interesting evening, um, but we went around Leventhorpe, and we had the joy of watching, uh, looking at different tables of different things that Jack may or may not be forced, I mean, have the option of studying next year, um, and what may feel like the rest of his life, depending on how it goes. So we walked around the history, philosophy, geography, and as I walked around um, two things struck me. The first was, man, how long ago was it that I was at school? Um, but that's a different issue. Uh, and the second thing was just how much I've forgotten since going to secondary school. Uh, they told me at school I had to remember all of this stuff that was so vitally important, but I can't remember a single thing. Uh, trigonometry, geometry, physics, all of it's a mystery to me. Now, if it wasn't for Google, uh, that my children would know just how genuinely unintelligent I've become over the last 21 years since leaving school, or whatever it is. And it just struck me how much I've forgotten. Feel free to make me feel better. <laughs> if you're looking at me as if saying, oh, no. I remember everything. There will be a maths test after this sermon for those of you that think you've remembered everything, and we'll see, who knows, phones are banned. Um, and it just occurred to me, why have I forgotten so much? Why is it that I've forgotten so much stuff since school? And the truth is, not just that I didn't always listen, that was only partially true, I think, um, but actually, most of what I learned, a lot of what I've learned, I just don't need. And because I don't need it, it's sort of not important at the moment. There's not often in my current role that I need uh, to balance equations. Um, I can't think of a sermon, I know, it's a shock, isn't it, Maureen? Uh, I sense you always balance equations, you know, <laughs> if there's a free five minutes. Um, but I can't think of the last time I had to work out the hypotenuse of a triangle um, in my job. <laughs> um, so you don't need it, so we drop it. Over the last five weeks, we've been thinking about compassion. We've been thinking about care and how to love one another. And, uh, and it's been a challenge to us all, isn't it, about how we interact as a community. Um, because that's what we are as a church. We're not people that attend the same church and who go off to our own separate lives. We're actually a family. The Bible refers to us as a family of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. The church family, the Christian family, is stronger than blood in one sense. And we often don't take that to what it really means. Relationships in this place are special. Relationships in this place are of God. That doesn't mean that we have to always agree with each other. Otherwise, we'd all be Tottenham supporters, wouldn't we? People in the middle. (laughs) But the Lord will work in you and bring you um, liberation at some point. Um, But it does mean that we have a God-given duty to love one another, forgive each other, 
bear with each other and care for each other, isn't it? And wouldn't it be a tragedy if the last five weeks, including this morning, and all the things we've heard, all the challenges we've had about how to love each other, wouldn't it it be a shame if it goes the way of trigonometry? But we just think to ourselves, well, that's not really relevant. Well, that was nice, but... Wouldn't it be a shame if we forget all the things that we've thought about in our connect groups and on Sunday mornings? I really urge you and urge us to work tirelessly to love one another to respect each other and help one another. This church family needs to be seen as special and a priority in our lives. I have a joke. There were three ministers, that itself is probably quite funny, isn't it? Three ministers got together for coffee one day and they all discovered that they had the same problem, that they all had a bat infestation. Well, the first one said, I get so mad, the other day I got my shotgun and I tried to shoot them out of the roof. I said, did that work? And he said, nope. All I've got is holes in the roof and the bats are still there. The other guy said, well, I, just, I tried to trap them alive. The other day I collected them all up in a box and I drove 50 miles east and I released them and they beat me back to the church. And the third one said, I haven't got any problem with bats anymore. And they said, well, what on earth did you do? And he said, I baptised them and made them members and I haven't seen them since. but isn't that the stereotypical thing that people think church is like you kind of come you kind of drop out but it's meant to be more and richer than that today we're finishing our series and we're looking at caring by connecting with each other i'm still laughing at that joke so hang on if i smile it's because hang on on. serious face so romans chapter 15 verse 2 speaks about care and about compassion says each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. I don't know if you've got the message version, Gavin. No, never mind. Um, If you have a copy of the message at home, um, which is an interpretation, um, really a paraphrase of the Bible, it puts it slightly differently, reminding us to go the extra mile and help people in their work and their daily lives. But it says, each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. Isn't that an interesting verse? There are big needs out there, as I was saying. There are big needs within our church family. And we are the ones who God has called to help each other along the way. But it is a huge challenge, isn't it, to help people and to get stuck in. Um, a, junior school, uh, sorry, a junior Sunday school teacher asked her eight eager ten-year-olds if they would give a million pounds to missionaries that the church supported. They all screamed, Yeah! Who wouldn't? Then she said, would you give our missionaries that we support a thousand dollars? And they again shouted, yeah! They said, what about a hundred dollars? Yeah! Came back the eager reply from these eight, ten-year-olds. And then she said, would you give them just one dollar? Seven said, yeah! Except little Johnny. I don't know who little Johnny is, but he seems to be in every story that I tell. That's why I'll do a series of books myself. Um, And the teacher noticed that he didn't answer. She said, why wouldn't you give our missionaries one dollar? Why didn't you say yes this time? And he looked at her and stammered the answer. Well, that's because I've got one (laughs) dollar. Church needs to not be that caricature, doesn't it? That it's easy to talk the talk, but harder to walk the walk. We don't want to be people that just say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we should be doing. But then when it comes to the crunch, when God says, give your stuff, give your time, give your energy, say, oh, I can't. 
So before we come on to that passage that Claire read, just two things to say about compassion and about care. It is actually a command of God um, to care for each other. Jesus gives us three commissions, three commands. In Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20, known as the Great Commission, Jesus said to his disciples and his church, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're called to go out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then there's the great commandment in John 13 and John 15, where we're told to love our God with all our heart, mind and soul and our neighbor as ourselves. And then there's something that some people refer to as the great connection, which is found in John chapter 20, verse 21, where Jesus, just before he goes back to heaven, says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So Jesus is sending us out in the same way, the same vein that his Father sent him into the world. How was Jesus sent into the world? What was he sent into this world to do? Well, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, he quotes these words from the Old Testament. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Caring is not an optional part of Christianity. Caring is a command from our savior. Somebody once said, "Show me a church where there is love, and I will show you a church that is a power in the community. Show me a church where there is love, and I will show you a church that is a power in the community. That's the first thing, it's a command. The second thing is that compassion is supposed to be spirit-led. John chapter 14, verse 16, John writes these words of Jesus. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, to be with you forever. And in different versions, that word advocate is simply translated comforter. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. And whilst that covers many areas, it reminds us that actually, when we go out and love those who need loving, we're supposed to do it under the direction and the power of the Holy Spirit. So, on to today's passage, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Um, I'll read just a few verses at the beginning for you. If you've got it open, that would be great. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his full attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Take up, uh, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk and went into the temple courts and praised God. It was 3 p.m., the time when people were going up to pray in the temple, and Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples, come across a man who'd been begging by the temple gates his entire life. Verse 2 tells us all that we need to know about that man. His condition was chronic. Uh, He was um, disabled from birth, we read. He was marginalized from society. There's the temple, there's the gate, there's the man. All the people are in there. He's outside on his own, 
begging for help. He's not allowed in where everybody is. He's marginalised. He's also dependent on other people. What a life. Can you imagine how that man would have felt? Well, of course you can imagine. You know the words that that we've already seen that describe his life. Loneliness, sadness. He's just despairing. He's sat outside begging for life rather than living it. Can you imagine how he would have felt being stepped over day after day after day? You don't have to imagine because some of us know what it feels and so many people in our world know what it's like to be shoved down somewhere and just forgotten. But then he met Peter and John. And what often escapes us in the 21st century is just how amazing the first century church was. You see, the first century church had a very different view on what it meant to be the people of the King of Kings. In chapter 2 of Acts, verse 44 to 45, this is what we read of the first church. It says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. They took everything they had and they sold a lot. And the church made sure everybody had equal Imagine that church culture. You imagine having spent three years with Jesus Christ and watching his compassion in action. So when Peter and John see this man outside the temple, it's not that they couldn't walk past him, they wouldn't walk past him because that's the kind of Christians they were. Is that the kind of Christians we are? Do we find it easy to walk past those who are in need? And it's such a wonderful moment in verse 4 when he asks them for money. It says, Peter looked straight at him as John did. And Peter said, look at us. And the man looks at them. And I really think that's an amazing, uh, amazing moment. I wonder how many people would have stepped over this poor guy, maybe dropped a few coins out of religious duty, but not actually given him eye contact. Some of the greatest acts of compassion we can give to other people is our undivided attention. To actually look at somebody in the eye and know that actually they have our full attention. A friend of mine was up London with his family um, a year or so ago, I think it was, and as he walked towards the tube station with his family, he saw a woman, a homeless lady, by the side of the road, and as he passed, it's not uncommon, is it, to see homeless people up London? She was probably in her early 40s, I think he said, and as she sat there, what broke his heart was he watched person after person just step over her, ignoring her like she wasn't there, and he felt broken-hearted over it so he turned around left his family for a second walked back over got lower asked her if she was hungry and would she like a roll she said yes and then he asked her what roll she'd like so she said i'm not sure <laughs> ham probably it's a ham we'll go with ham and so he went and bought her a roll um, and a bottle of water i think and he went back sat next to her very briefly and they had a conversation but she had his undivided attention now that night what do you think she remembered more, the role or the time? I'm going to go with the time and the attention. Sometimes the greatest act of compassion isn't what you give, but the way you give it. The way you give it. And, yeah, that's a real challenge, isn't it? Verse 6, um, they realize I have nothing to give. Verse 6, Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk they've got nothing to give possessions while they've got no money they've given it or sold it all presumably they've got nothing in their pockets um, but they realize what they do have jesus christ and the message of the cross this man is healed in the name of jesus he stands up he enters the temple for the very first time 
in his life. That is beautiful. For the very first time in his life, he is able to go and worship God with the rest of his people. What a powerful picture of compassion that this man is able to stand up. I remember when me and Andrew in Bangladesh, I know I promised you no more stories than that, but hey, it was such a great two years, I've got lots more to tell you. But there was a uh, a young boy that uh, we saw outside our flat and he'd been hit by a car and lost most of one of his, one of his legs had been chopped off and the other one had kind of sort of been eaten away really. And he was going along on on a trolley on the floor. It was about 10 or 11 my friend Robbie came over uh, and Brian, two of our friends, to stay with us for six weeks, which was too long, but that's a different sermon. And, uh, and my friend Robbie had done his ankle in before they came over from Britain, and, uh, and he was quite fed up with the whole thing. But he brought a set of crutches, and by the time he got to our flat, actually his ankle was almost better. And so we took those crutches and we gave them to this little boy, and he could stand up, possibly for the first time in years. And I can't tell you the look of joy on that kid's face as he could look people in the eye, not look up to them, but look at them. And uh, we never saw him much after that, but I pray that God really blessed him. But to stand up, that's what compassion is, standing somebody up. So, but it's also a wonderful moment, isn't it? You think how, how, how much they could have just said, we've got nothing, we're late for prayer, we've got to get on, but they give this man everything. You see, the early church had a heavenly Perspective. They thought in a heavenly way. They expected to be like Jesus Christ. They understood that sharing the gospel, the message of the cross and resurrection, his death for us, for our sin, that we could be free, is actually what everybody needs. And so as they see this man, they give him Jesus. They heal him in the name of Jesus. As they reach out, they do it under the direction and the power of the Holy Spirit. And across the book of Acts, that's how the church was full of the Spirit of God, being led by the Spirit of God, doing great things for the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus. These men were close to the King of Kings. They were full of his Spirit, passionate followers of Jesus Christ, and they made a real difference every single place they went. We are often timid as Christians, aren't we? We're often unsure what difference we can make in the world. Often we're shy in our sharing, aren't we? We don't want people to, we don't want to say the wrong thing, but people are trapped in their tragedy. And we are the ones who have the keys to eternal life through Jesus Christ. And isn't it good that people know three things from us? They need to know three things from us. One, that we will do all we can to help them. They need to know, two, that we value them, that we're with them. And number three, that we have something that will give them hope that will go beyond the grave, even death itself. What better message is there for people to hear who are trapped in tragedy that there is a God? What better message is there to hear when you're trapped in tragedy that that God knows your name? What better message to hear when you're trapped in tragedy, not just that that God knows that you're alive, but that that God loved you so much that long before you even thought about him, before you were even born, he'd already decided to send his son, Jesus Christ, who would be nailed to a cross for all the rubbish and all the sins and all the darkness in all of us so that we could be wiped clean on the inside, not the outside. What a wonderful message of hope that is. Not just that, that you are not alone in everything you go through and that that God also wants to make a real difference in the trials and the tragedies you're going through at that precise moment. And then to hear, not just all of that, that when you accept his son, Jesus Christ, he is already 
preparing a place in heaven for you to live forever. How great is that? Peter and John didn't look at what they didn't have. As Christians, we need to stop seeing our limitations. Stop thinking what's impossible for man and start thinking what's possible for God, which is anything. They realized what they did have, which was Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. They embraced the gospel and all the power of the Holy Spirit with confidence and certainty, and they spoke clearly to a man who needed it. They prayed in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you? Do you pray in the name of Jesus? You should. And so really as we finish this series, the story of Peter and John really is a great challenge to each one of us. Will we step over those in need in this church or out in our daily lives? Will we step past people because we're late for prayer or we haven't got enough on us? Will we see only our limitations, what we don't have, and use that as an excuse to not help. I haven't got time. I haven't got energy. I haven't got any experience. Or number three, will we give people what they really need, which is Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, recognizing that to follow him, to be born again, is the ultimate hope and healing that everybody needs. And number four, will we be bold enough to pray for healing and will be led by the power of the Holy Spirit And so, as we finish, everybody else has shared their story of compassion. Let me tell you about me. I'm just a normal guy, as you know. I became a Christian at 11 years old. I've not had any major tragedies. Um, Nothing sort of terrible has happened to me. I've been very fortunate. But the one thing I can give God thanks for every single day is that since the age of 11... And to the age of 38, and I'm sure long to the end of my life, I hope, God has always put one person in my path that I can always turn to. When I first became a Christian, it was a guy called Neil Paul. He was about my dad's age, which was perfect for an 11-year-old, 12-year-old boy who was not seeing his, his own dad. And Neil Paul was a great guy. He was fun. He was easy to talk to. He said lovely things to me. And I knew that if any point I needed to talk to him, I could just go around his house. As I got older, other people came into my journey. Other people were put in my path by the living God, and it was the living God. These were people that I could ring up at any point and say, I'm sick and tired of everything. Because if you know me, I just say how I feel. And if I feel fed up, I just tell you how I really fed up I feel. I don't tend to hold it back. But God has always put in my life one or two people. Sometimes they've been women, sometimes they've been men. Sometimes they've been my age, sometimes they've been older. But God has always put people in my life's journey. And even now... When I very occasionally get fed up, because as you know, I'm very holy and very perfect in every way. I have a friend, um, not just one, (laughs) I have a friend and I can ring him up and I can give him both barrels and he doesn't judge me for it. It's brilliant and it is just what I need. And I wonder, not do you have someone like that in your life, but as we finish our series, are you that someone for someone else? Are you the sort of person, or am I the sort of person that someone can ring up at any point and give you both barrels and just say, I am sick of everything without being judged and by giving them our undivided attention? The book of Proverbs talks about having a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That is Jesus first and foremost. 
but it also needs to be us as well. Six weeks, we're done. We'll change the subject next week, but please don't change the record in your own lives. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, just for all the ways you've challenged us uh, this last month and a half. Lord, thank you for all the things that we've been thinking through and considering, Lord, in our small groups. And Lord, I do thank you for what was able to be shared earlier on in this service. And Lord, for all the many other um, stories of compassion and love, Lord, that um, aren't always felt um, sort of brave enough to deliver from the front. But Father God, may we be a people that don't leave caring to somebody else. May we be a people, Lord, that don't uh, look at what we don't have. May we be a people that realise that we are the king's servants. We are the king's people. We're put, Lord, into situations of darkness and pain so that we can be the ones that bring light. Darkness doesn't drive out darkness, only light. May we be people that pray for healing and preach the gospel and show your grace and your compassion. And Father God, for any here who don't know you as their king and their saviour, Lord, may they hear me when I say that Jesus is all we have and he is all they need. And we just commit everything to you these last six weeks in Jesus' name. Amen.